Welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Come on to the theatre. Hello and welcome back to episode 21 of the Manx Theatre Podcast with me, Neil Callan. Thank you to everyone who's listened to our previous episodes. If you're brand new to the podcast, welcome along and thanks for joining us. In this podcast, we'd like to try and keep you up to date with what's going on in theatre on the Isle of Man and chat to the cast and creatives of upcoming shows to find out a little bit more about the shows and the people behind them. You can still listen to all of our previous episodes through all the usual podcast outlets and at manxradio.com forward slash podcasts. Whilst you're there, make sure you subscribe, give us a like, rate and leave a little review and share with all your friends because that helps us move up the podcast charts. You can also keep up to date with what's going on by following Manx Theatre Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Manx Theatre Pod on Twitter. Coming up in this week's episode... I chat with Manx Operatic Society life member and former Madam Chairman, Nicky Openshaw. We chat about the Manx Operatic Society's Night of the Musicals, which has now been pushed back to their usual slot in February-March 2022, and Nicky's long and illustrious career both on and off stage with the Manx Operatic Society. Well... This lockdown has lasted a little longer than we expected, with quite a substantial outbreak of the Kent variant here on the island, which has seen the number of positive cases rise to over 1,100. It looks like we're heading towards the end of it again, as the schools are expected to be fully open again in a couple of weeks, provided there's no further unexplained positive cases. Hopefully this means the theatre will be open again shortly, and we'll be able to get back to business. This, once again, has meant a slight delay for the Christian World Theatre School's production of The Wizard of Oz, whose production has now moved to May this year. Hello Little People's production of The Twits has moved to June and the Douglas Choral Union's production of Shrek the Musical and the ever-popular Young Farmers concerts are currently being rescheduled. I don't want to say any particular dates at this moment in time because by the time I've recorded it, it's probably out of date. Additional productions to look forward to are also Parker Snell's production of To Kill a Mockingbird, currently set for the end of May, and Taylorian Productions have just announced their cast for a chorus line, which replaces School of Rock from the 7th to the 14th of August. Right then. Without any further ado, let's dim the house lights and lift the curtain on my chat with Nicola Openshaw. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. I'm joined today on the podcast by Nicola Openshaw, an absolute all-rounder and stalwart of the Manx Operatic Society. Whether on stage or off, she's been involved in almost all of the op's biggest shows over the last 25 years or so. As you'll tell from her accent, she's not Manx-born, but we're not going to hold that against her. So, Nikki, welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Hello. <laughs> Great to have you, Nikki. It's uh, it's uh, it's been a while, actually. It has. I haven't seen you for absolutely ages. See, Northerner through and through. <laughs> <laughs> now, initially, I was going to have you on to chat to you about the Manx Operatic Society's production of A Night of the Musicals, which I believe was your baby. Well, not my baby, not my baby for, for, per se, but um, I did take the reins and sort of guide it into, into a, a show that we had and that we still have to move forward with. So it's just something that I've always been passionate about. It's something that we wanted to showcase previous members, members that are still with us and giving an opportunity to younger people, new people, people who have moved onto the island and wanted a bit of a hobby. And that's what we achieved. Unfortunately, it hasn't got to stage yet, but when it does, oh, it'll be a humdinger. Yeah. I mean, obviously, with with the, the last two lockdowns, then it's affected rehearsals massively, I guess. Yeah. I mean, when we initially heard that we were going to be going into lockdown again, or suspected, I should say, that we were going to go into lockdown again, it was one of those where we were at a good stage where we could just put it down, put it to bed for a little bit, 
and we did a little bit of Zoom rehearsing, but it's very difficult when you are in the middle of learning routines and things, yeah. you know. It's easy enough for doing a, a singing rehearsal, but when you're asking somebody to put their tap shoes on and tap in their kitchen, <laughs> uh, not only does it annoy the neighbours, but it annoys their families too. So um, it, it just became a little bit difficult to continue that. <laughs> Can you keep the noise? I'm trying to watch EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I was trying to put a bit of a list together of some of the the parts that you've played and it's just you've had some pretty epic parts over the years, haven't you? I have. I've been quite very lucky actually. I mean, I started I started in theatre when I was 11 back home. And um my very very first part was was um a, a young girl called Susan in Hello Dolly. Mm -hmm. And I think I was about 12, right. 12 or 13 then. And, and then it just progressed from there and I came over here and my first big part was Maria in West Side Story. I mean, what a fabulous, fabulous part. And I've, I've just done so many different things, you know, Dolly Levi, mm. Katisha, you know, it, there's been massive parts. My favourite of all time, Madame Thenardier mm. in Les Mis, you know, you can't get much bigger than that. <laughs> And of course, the one other role then that sadly we never got to see this this time last year was was Oda May. That's right, yeah, Oda May stepping in Whoopi Goldberg's foot, footprints, but um, no, we didn't get to see it unfortunately. So that stays locked away in my little cupboard. Mm -hmm. I mean, that must have been that must have been crushing to literally get two days before getting, and that was it. Then curtains down, and that's it. Game over. It, it's going to sound weird, but leading up to that from about January onwards, I just had that feeling we were never going to be able to put it on. I just had that feeling. And so when when it actually came to, you know, those couple of days beforehand and we knew everything was locking down, it it was weird. It was you just felt empty and very it was it was a very, very weird experience knowing that all that hard work you'd put into it, everybody just sat there in the pub. And it was just like limbo. Mm. Nobody knew what to say. And then when the announcement came out that actually the theatre was closing and everything was just going to be put on hold. And, it, you know, it was it was devastating. And especially for the, you know, the the two young guys, Alex Maxwell and, and Dandy, who were playing the, the big lead roles. Mm. You know, I just really felt for them. Absolutely felt for them. Yeah. And oh, for it to have closed before it opened was probably a better thing than it to be you know, halfway through, I mean, even at the end of getting week, having done all that work, getting all the set and all the lighting sorted and everything into the theatre, go, nope, not happening. Yeah. Or even till the, you know, be literally there on opening night or, or the, the, the second night and, you know, done one show and that's it done. That would be just soul destroying, surely. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. I think it would, that, that would have been even worse as it was. We all just sort of left that night after rehearsal, not knowing what was going to happen. And, and so you are left in limbo. If we'd actually been on the stage doing all that, the long days that you do leading up to getting mm. in the show. Yeah, that uh, it would just been oh, unbelievable. And they are long days as well. And they have getting weak. <laughs> yeah, very oh. long days. And especially as a ghost is a is quite a technical show. Mm. There's a lot of special trickery and, and what have you. And, and so we knew we were going into what would be a, a a, quite a, a a long long hard set of rehearsals leading up to actually being able to do a dress rehearsal yeah um so yes if we've been in the middle of all of that which would have taken us all this the illusions of you know sam 
turning into me and and vice versa and you know everything that has to happen um sam tormenting the other characters with with everything that, that has to happen the the firing of drinks cans out of things and what have you and that was it's going to be very very technical and we were all looking forward to doing it and then suddenly it we didn't get the chance to see how it would work. You've had all those rehearsals leading up to it where you get to have a have a play. You sort of know what's going to happen, but we never actually got to see how it did work. Yeah. And that, that that's that's upsetting because we were all looking forward to that. I was due to crew on the show and I was excited to find out all the different uh, tricks and things were, were, were done as well. But then to, not, to get to it, it was like, oh. But obviously I only had like about two weeks of build up to it, not six months like the rest of you. So, yeah. So, um, so over the years then, I think as I alluded to there in my, my introduction, you've been involved with the Manx operatic in almost every possible role going I mean, for what, four or five years, you were you were chairman. You've been wardrobe mistress. You've been on stage, backstage, and everything else in between. <laughs> I started um, in it was just before my daughter was born in 1997. Oh my god! Um, when I started as sorry, just after my daughter was born in 1997, and I started as secretary to mm-hmm. the society. And then went on from there, um, secretary, stayed on committee, then ended up as chairman, then went to vice chairman. I haven't actually done treasurer. I've done social committee liaison. I think all in all, I've been on committee. It was it was something like 18, 18 years. And then I had a little bit of a break and now I'm back on it again. Um, so, yeah, I must have done I must have done about 23, or 24 years on committee. You know, you just reminded me there that, you know, possibly the best thing about the Manx Ops AGM every year was the epic secretary speech, the rundown of the previous <laughs> year's worth of events. <laughs> Stop watches on, here we go. <laughs> the, the latest secretary um, doesn't doesn't do as long speeches as we used to. But yes, it used to be a there used to be a little bit of a, a sweepstake going as to how, how long the secretary <laughs> speech would take. <laughs> <laughs> and they were always great fun too so what what do you think <laughs> during your time then on on committee or in, in as as chairman what do you think's been the the biggest success of yours on the committee with Max Ops? oh good lord now I don't think there's any one thing you know it's just it's just the whole getting involved with everything yeah and that's what I like about committee you do you you when you decide to go onto committee you decide to go onto committee because you know it's a big commitment mm. and there's no oh I'm having a weekend off you know it's seven days a week oh, yeah. um and always something on the go and um yeah it's just literally rolling your sleeves up and getting stuck in and I, I think that's what I love about it and and just doing everything you know, I don't think there's any one particular thing I can say yet. I, you know, I absolutely, you know, it's it's everything, all encompassing. Excellent. So, roles aside, which has been the favourite show that you've been involved with at the Mike's Operatic? Well, up until up until before Les Mis, I think I would have to have said Forty Second Street. I mean, mm. I absolutely loved it. The fun and games we had on stage. The fire brigade coming and catching us half undressed ah. in the middle of things um the, the, just the whole thing the whole show was fabulous but then lamez came along and right from the start it was just special you know yeah. the the whole cast we had everything that went on it was just that that's 
that's the one that sticks in my head. Yeah, there's just there's a buzz about the show, isn't it? There's just you know that it's something yeah. special, don't you? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And everybody does just pull together, and it's just the energy from start to finish, and it never wanes. And it's like this ever moving fast train, and you just know it's going to hit bullet point that week of that show. And it, we did two weeks, and it just whoa, it just went like a rocket. It's fabulous, absolutely fabulous. So go back to Forty Second Street. There, obviously, it's a it's a big tapping show isn't it if memory says right didn't you lead some like tapping workshops over the, the summer leading into the start of rehearsals for that we did we did we had we had all sorts of tap tap rehearsals through the summer for people that wanted to learn your basic time steps and, and all of that and it it was really really interesting everybody enjoyed it um, so much so that we've said during the summer now we're actually going to be doing some tap workshops again for people who are doing a night at the musicals next year with us so that ones who didn't necessarily join in the tap the, the big tap numbers that we've got going on because they didn't have the elements of tap that they needed will learn it in the summer so they can join in and do those ones Excellent. come September when we start rehearsing brilliant so then how many shows do you think you've done over the years? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so many have lost count. Yeah, probably about 25. I've been in the society almost 30 years. Yeah. And I only took a few, I took one or two out when Paige was quite little. And I dislocated my elbow in one on the day before dress rehearsal. So I couldn't do that show. That was Which show was that? singing in the rain we were uh, in full costume uh on stage and i fell and my elbow shot out from completely dislocated so mm-hmm. i didn't do that show um mm-hmm. so yeah I, th- I think i've probably done about 25 shows great well i joined manx ops in 99 for hot mercado the first time around and yeah i think you've been involved in pretty much every show since then and it's scary mm-hmm. to think that that's like 20 Three years ago now. <laughs> 22 years ago, yeah. Time ago, yeah. yeah. Now that you say that Paige was born in 97, it's 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 scary to think that she's a fully grown woman now. It's She's still exactly. a little baby girl as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, no. No. <laughs> so in, in all of those 25-odd shows that you've done, which has been the favourite role that you've played? Madame Thenardier in Les Mis. Yeah. Yeah. And hubby says it. I am totally typecast. <laughs> How rude! How rude. <laughs> well, we could, we could say a lot about that, really. I suppose, but um... <laughs> knowing Ian as well as I do, <laughs> he's not too far off Mister T himself, really, is he? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's always a bit dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what was it then about Madame Tanaje that stands out for you? Well, from her being loud and brash and a bit gobby and, you know, I'm none of that, obviously. Um, you know, and I'm quite meek and mild and, and I, I don't tell people how I feel like that, you know, and um, I'm, I'm not a nasty person. And, um, you know, it was just completely living out of the box. And the fact that her outfits were just... OTT yeah you know it it was just everything about it it was like having a free reign to do everything that you wouldn't normally do in real life and getting away with it I loved it (laughs) (laughs) brilliant so what would be the dream role then what's what's the 
what's the one role that's on your bucket list that you're that you're yet to achieve well that one was top of my bucket list so I, I'm yeah. so grateful that I was able to play that you know it was amazing but um there's um another one that's sort of like hit quite this well there's two that sort of hit quite quite home recently is everybody's talking about Jamie the mum in that oh. yeah oh Love, love, yes, love that. Love um, that show. Yeah, and so that one. And he's my boy as well. What a yeah, song! Yeah, yeah. So that's like that's like quite high up on the on my bucket list now. And also, dear Evan Hansen, which we went to see just before lockdown in the West mm-hmm. End. The mum in that one is amazing, and it's taken its slightly different angle in that she's a little bit more rocky so it's it's something that would be again out of my comfort zone but something that I would quite fancy doing that the, the song uh, good for you you know it's it's a really yeah so they're my two yeah brilliant <laughs> you know it's it's scary when you, you you think about the roles that you have played and when you were the the young lead and then you sort of like the, the character part and now it's the mums and the dads <laughs> it's like yeah oh, I'm not young anymore no. <laughs> we suddenly play I, like that. I like that part but no I'm about 40 years too old <laughs> yeah I'm too old for Danny and Greece anymore it's not fair <laughs> <laughs> unless they rewrite it so they they you know we go back to we go back to see them now and where they are now then you know no, it's not going to happen. Grease the middle age years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mum and dad here. 50s, wasn't it? So you'd be updating it then. It'd be like so the late 80s, 90s then, wouldn't it? For them to have them in their late 40s, 50s. Yeah. Ooh, that's a thought. Maybe we should write it. <laughs> See? <Ooh>. Yeah. <laughs> If you're interested in local musicians and artists, check out our sister podcast, Supergroup, where Neil King talks to Manx songwriters and musicians as they set up their fantasy supergroup. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Which part, then, do you think is the part that you were born to play? Now, this this is the part that either is Nicola Openshaw to a T, or the part that you think you could just slip straight into. Probably Dolly Levi, without a, without a shadow of a doubt. Hmm. We're actually doing, um, in A Night at the Musicals, we're actually doing Hello, Dolly. Oh. And and I'd never, I'd not sung it since. And then we went into a first rehearsal and it was just like, oh, here we go. Here and is. suddenly all the mannerisms came yeah. back. And yeah, and it was like, oh, right, okay. She was there. She was just hiding under the surface. Was it like greeting an old friend? It was. It was. And that was a wonderful show. Yeah, loved it. It was 2003. Yeah, it certainly was. Wow. We had, a, we, had, we had a lot of fun, the four of us, you, me, Emma, and Matt James. Oh, and Sarah Brew as well, the five yes, of us. Yes. So much fun in that show. It was great. It was. Oh, I wish we could go back and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'd, I'd probably be Horace Vandegelder these days. <laughs> <laughs> no longer little Barnaby Tucker. <laughs> So the next one, I'm going to spin this one slightly. So this is the one about the costume. So obviously you've played a lot of parts, but also you've worked in wardrobe as well. So initially, what are the best and or worst costumes that you've ever had to wear? Uh, I remember very, very early on, and I can't I actually can't remember what show it was, but one of my costumes was, I kid you not, it was hired and it was a potato sack. <laughs> It literally it was, 
yeah, it was it was awful. And I remember uh, at the time, Robert uh, Bob Marlowe um, taking yeah. one look, just get off the stage. Somebody find us something else to wear. <laughs> <laughs> um but I do uh, I mean I, I make a lot of costumes for the for the shows so um when we did Titanic the musical we made all the evening dresses we made the boarding suits they all then got sold on so they're now being hired out somewhere around the world in London wow. I don't know but you know there's a whole set of costumes with my little my little tag sewn in them and so you know I loved I love all of that but I am a, I am a real sucker for costume period costume so you know, mm. you know layers and layers of clothing and things like that I just I just love all of that you know the more historic the better so the long knickers the corsets so so anything that's big and and bold like that that's my passion I mean there's there's something very special about those nice period outfits that seems to help almost it finishes off the character doesn't it I mean some of the the costumes and, and the suits and the things that I've worn over the years you're thinking once you get on you go yep that's it I know exactly where I am mm-hmm. now and it must be the same with some of those magnificent dresses and corsets and, and all sorts of things that you've had to wear as well and it's it, it does it, it you think that's why people always say don't wear your trainers when you're doing a rehearsal because you walk mm. differently in a pair of shoes you know, um, yeah. don't don't just wear your leggings to do your dance routines. Put on a put on a skirt because you move differently. And it's it's like that mm. full on costumes. Once you're laced into your corset and you've got all these costumes on, you stand up straight and you suddenly become that character because you've got no choice. Yeah. Because you can't slouch and walk like you would do in a pair of jeans or a pair of joggers and trainers. You know, it's a totally different kettle of fish. And it does. It's that that brings home, seals the character. Yeah. And I remember, I think it was, I think it was Dolly, because I think you were wearing a corset in that, that you started wearing the corset at rehearsals because it changed the way that you you breathed when you were singing. So you had to get used to that in advance rather than just like two days before the show going, oh, crikey, I can't breathe. Yeah, exactly. And and like likewise, when we did um, Hot Ricardo and I was wearing, um, I was wearing the corset for that. And I had to learn to mm. to sing and dance in that, which is not something that when you're in uh, Dolly, it was it was movement rather than dance. But in Hot Mikado, there yeah. were there were a few dance routines, and you had to learn how to control your breathing without fainting. So yeah, you build yourself up. <laughs> yeah, and I had to dance with the cricket box in as well, didn't yes. I? Yes, <laughs> remember that <laughs> <laughs> to avoid personal injury at your expense. <laughs> Well, you know, what can I say? <laughs> so the costumes, obviously the costumes that, that, that come in for, for a show, obviously you you measure people up in advance and there's a certain amount of time between measuring up and costumes arriving just before the show. So sometimes with us not all being professional performers and people put on weight or lose weight, so inevitably there are adjustments that need to be made in those final few days between receiving the costumes and the, and the show what's the worst costume that you've ever had to to deal with in in that manner oh i remember a, a full-on like whole jacket waist not for me jacket waistcoat pants the whole thing and it literally came for somebody and it was like three sizes too big and there was no time <laughs> to send it back and and get something in and so the person wearing it went on with tucks everywhere I mean you wouldn't have known off step but 
there was just so much and and that sometimes yeah. things like ladies will go on crash diets and um and that's all right because we have a team of, of ladies that come in the week before the costumes arrive the week beforehand and it enables the week before getting so it enables us to have a week where the ladies can literally we we make sure everybody's costume pins everywhere and what have you and then they all get taken away all get stuck sewn and, and and altered and you obviously can't cut them and in some cases like in in layman's you you the costumes that came you weren't allowed to use a sewing machine on so everything had to be hand sewn yeah. all the all the fixed fixings had to be hand sewn you know and you always get your men's trousers that come without um without seam uh, without the the hems just the so hem, that yeah. you can the hems up and do what you need to do so yeah um without that team of costume ladies i don't know where we'd be half dressed that's where we would be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's one thing that that probably a lot of people don't realize is just how many people behind the scenes are involved in 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 the show. There's not just the the people on stage and the ones that you can sort of see around with maybe you know a few backstage people that are moving stuff on and off and the guys in the pit. It's it's all those yeah you know, it's all those ladies that are doing the adjustments on the costumes in that that mad week beforehand or are staying up till one, two, three o'clock in the morning because someone's trousers have split that night and they need to be back on again the next night. Mm, mm, yes. And and we also had, uh, well, in Les Mis, a prime example, one of the little girls' dresses had come and, and it, it, they hadn't taken into account she was a child. So it was an adult's dress. Right. So we didn't have a dress for her. So I literally stayed up. And I took her measurements and I stayed up and I made her dress overnight so that she could go on and dress wow. rehearsal and actually have a dress. But that's what happens. You know, you get to a point where things have to be done and you just if you have to pull mm. a good couple of hours into the night or get up at five o'clock in the morning to get something sewn or you're sat in the auditorium watching everybody else um, on stage hand sewing things in the dark just to get things finished that's what happens <laughs> yeah yeah the show must go on isn't it exactly right so this next one then this is sometimes a little bit a little bit tricky this is our gender swap question so this is which role would you most like to play of the opposite gender now i've had a think of this and there isn't one weirdly Ooh. enough yeah i have Ooh. never I... so no valjean then no javert no no, um, I, there's never been a role where I've gone, oh, I would have liked to have played that. Um, and it was a male role. Never. Well, yeah. Do you know, when I, when I was asked this question, because Neil King interviewed me in the very first episode, and I was torn, I was torn between two. Go on. I was torn between Dolly Levi <laughs> and Mrs. Lovett. <laughs> and Mrs. Lovett just pipped it right at the very end. But literally, I, I was sat there chatting to him and I didn't know which one was going to come out when he asked me the question until I said it. Yeah. But yeah. No, I sat, Two great I, parts. I, I sat and chewed over that one um, and, and ran through all sorts of different shows. But no, there was not one that I went, oh, I'd really want to do that because there's so many really good character parts for women out there that mm. I've never been jealous of a man playing a part and gone, oh, I really want to do that one. Well, well. Brilliant. That's that's a first. That's, yeah. that's, that's great. So there isn't one. Matt, Devin, fan. Well, I'm speechless, Nikki. I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've done the unthinkable. Ah, yay! 
Right. Last year, then, back at the end of the first lockdown, we created a Spotify playlist. Now, this was our, our idea behind this was that we were trying to sort of set up our ultimate musical theatre playlist. Neil King and I, we each put 10 songs in because we thought, well, who wants to listen to a playlist with only two songs on it? And we chose songs each that I were either from shows that we've been in, shows that we've sung, or just songs that mean something to us. And then since we set that up, with each guest that we've had on the podcast, we've asked them to add another song in. So, so far, we've had contributions from Emma Callan, who chose West Side Story Overture, because she's really wanted something from, from West Side, but couldn't decide which one. So she just thought, if I have the Overture, it's got them all. Yeah. Um, Perry Day chose Being Alive from Company. Michelle James chose Beautiful from Beautiful, the Carol King story. Chloe Shimon chose Tight Connection to My Heart from Girl from the North Country. Bethany McGee chose the I Love You song from the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. There's too many words in the title <laughs> of that show. I can never remember it all. Joe Hillard chose Me and the Sky from Come From Away. Fantastic show. Lewis Kelly chose Waving Through a Window from Dear Evan Hansen. And Tony Eccles on the last episode chose When I Grow Up from Matilda, which is yeah. a fantastic song. Yeah. So, Nicola Openshaw, what is your choice? And why <laughs> would you like to add it to our playlist? Okay, so I'm in love with Dear Evan Hansen at the moment. It, it was the last show that we got to see in London, and it literally was... Uh, just just lit about a week before we went into lockdown and we were lucky enough to secure tickets to go and see Dear Evan Hansen and whilst I loved all of it absolutely all of it including the song that you just spoke about there was one in there that now holds quite a quite a a pull on my heart which was You Will Be Found um, and I think it's quite poignant at the moment with everybody and the, the mental health and everything that everybody's gone through both in the UK being locked down for like a year and, and us being in and out in and out in and out which sometimes I think actually can be worse than being mm. in full lockdown the whole time and I just think it's a it's a really powerful song that starts off quite gently and builds and builds and builds until everybody is all together all together supporting each other that's what I love it marvelous okay the final question that I think I've got for you is what new shows are, are doing the rounds for you at the moment? What's what's the one thing? I mean, it's not necessarily a brand new show, but it could be something that you are a little bit late to the party on, something that you've discovered recently that is just, you've just completely fallen in love with. What's that new show? Well, I watched, I watched the film recently called The Prom. <gasps> yes. Love it. Yes. Yeah, and there's the musical, mm. the prom, the musical. And there's a brilliant song there called Dance With You. Absolutely love yes, it. Yes, love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's... Um, I mean, I love Six the Musical. My daughter's got me into that. That's fabulous. But I do like this one, the prom, the musical, and, and Dance With You. That's brilliant. So you recommend that everyone goes out, downloads the prom, and gives it a good listen? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Um, so, do you know what? I think that's us now. Have we got any dates in the diary for the ops next year? Or is it just sort of roughly March time next year? 
yeah Feb- february february march it's our our usual dates um around then uh, they're all booked and sorted so we on this current one we were just it's usually doing- kind of last last week of feb first week of march isn't it sort of around there yeah yeah it's it's around there i haven't got the exact dates but um, we and we were only doing three shows this last time mm-hmm. but we will be extending it because we'd sold over a thousand seats wow. um leading the show so we know it was popular we want to continue on that on that trail get this show all done and dusted and get everybody all together so we we will be extending it so it'll be a slightly longer run than just three nights excellent and hopefully by then covid will be a long distant memory we'll all be vaccinated and borders will be open and we'll be getting professional directors and sets and sounds and everyone in that we need and everything will be back to normal and we'll be doing fantastic shows and having wonderful coups with the latest show that no one else has done and seen on the Isle of Man before. Well, you know, I'm a realist. I'm praying and hoping, but, you know, things have changed and I think we'll just move with the times and, yeah, it'll be good. Be no on- matter what we do, it'll be good. It'll be our new normal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, our new normal. Yeah, I've, I've I've stopped putting dates in when I'm talking about upcoming shows. I've stopped including dates now because there's no point. Because as soon as it's recorded, it's wrong. So <laughs> these these shows are coming up, and that's it. You know, <laughs> they'll be on when they're on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We'll give you a month, a month and a year, and yeah, it'll give, be then. Give you a ballpark. It's going to be second quarter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Thereabouts. Well. Nikki, thank you very much for coming and having a chat with us on the podcast. And we hope to catch up with you again sometime soon. Thank you very much. Cheers now. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast with Neil Callan. And with that, we bring episode 21 to a close. Thanks once again to Nikki for joining us on the podcast. I'm going to be honest, if there was a bottle of wine or two on hand, this chat could have gone on for hours. Looking forward, over the next few months I'll be hoping to catch up with Chloe and Michelle from Hello Little People and finding out about their upcoming production of The Twits and what they've been up to since we last spoke back in September. We'll also hopefully be chatting to some of the cast of the DCU's production of Shrek the Musical and catching up with the cast and creatives on Taylor and Productions' A Chorus Line. Remember to like and follow our social media pages to get notifications of upcoming episodes and events. Don't forget to check out our Spotify playlist by searching for Manx Theatre Podcast. If you have any events that you'd like us to talk about or promote on future episode, you can contact us through our social media accounts or by email to manxtheatrepodcast at gmail.com. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening and I hope you join us again next time on the Manx Theatre Podcast. I've been Neil Callan. Goodbye. The Manx Theatre Podcast. Taking a look behind the scenes of Manx Theatre. For me.